This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emerest, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. One of the hard parts about recording this podcast is trying to cover current events before they happen, right? I have to record, you know, days, weeks, you know, probably I should be recording more in advance as Tracy would agree with me, but it's really hard, right? Because we're trying to predict the future. And unfortunately, you guys already know the future by the time you're listening to this. So this week, we're going to be talking about the Fed Reserve meeting. I'm recording this on Tuesday, May 2nd. And by May 4th, when this comes out, they've already met because they're going to be meeting tomorrow on May 3rd. So let's talk about what this information means, you know, by the time you guys are already hearing it and what we're kind of looking for, what I'm looking for to come out of this meeting. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Let's face it. Your shop management system is the most critical tool in your shop. Napa Tracks will move your shop into the SMS fast lane with on-site training, six days a week support, and local representation. Visit them online at napatracks.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. So like I said on the intro, trying to talk about the future is always hard, but even harder when your listeners are already in the future. And as we record this, we're on the eve of the Federal Reserve meeting for May. So the general consensus is that the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates by another 0.25% or 25 basis points, um, which will increase their target funds rate to about 5 to 5.25%. There is some chance that by the time you're listening to this, that did not happen. However, I don't think that there's a very strong possibility that they're going to do something different. Now, obviously, if you're listening to this after the fact and they did, you can laugh at me and say, huh, Hunt, you got that one wrong. But there seems to be a consensus from the economists, from the Fed themselves, from you know policymakers, as well as the market, that that 25, per, 25 basis point hike is probably pretty certain. And honestly, there's other stuff that's going to be coming out of this meeting. But if they do increase at 25 basis points here tomorrow, I don't think that it's going to really have much effect on the short term at all. The market is already expecting this to happen. The market has already kind of priced this in for the Fed to increase this 25 basis points. Now, there will probably be some effects on this. You know, this is going to affect the prime rate. Anytime that the Fed raises their rate, the lending rates are going to go up. Now, most people's loans are usually updated on a quarterly basis. Some banks have started updating them on a monthly basis because of these increases. But for the short term, we won't see really any major effects on that rate increase other than, like I said, if you do have an adjustable loan or hopefully you have an adjustable investment that's going to be paying you a higher rate. If we're not even looking for the 25 or 0.25% increase or 25 basis point increase, and it's almost certain to happen, then Hunt, why the hell are you making an episode talking about this? So obviously, first and foremost, it's a, you know a pertinent topic. And I think that it's important for anyone, any sort of business owner, anyone that has any sort of financial interest to be kind of looking at this stuff because it does have that broad ranging effects. But really, there is a lot bigger thing that the market, investors, everyone is looking from the Federal Reserve meeting happening tomorrow. So like I said, we're kind of all on the same page about the rate increase. Now, what we are really looking for is guidance on what's going to come out in the future. All right, we get you guys are going to increase at 25 basis points now. 
But is there going to be any more this year? Or even more importantly, are you guys going to start cutting rates before the end of the year? And I've talked about this before when, you know, people are, you know, kind of looking at the Federal Reserve meeting. Some of it is what they do, but a lot more of it, and especially when it comes to the stock market, is really hinging on what they say or how they say it. Some of this can be very cryptic and people will read so deep into three little words that the chairman has said. But this is kind of where we are. This is the nature of the market right now. It's all going off of information. Everyone's trying to get that advantage. Everyone's trying to figure out what is the next move, right? Just like me trying to predict the future and talk about these episodes, the stock market as a whole, that's what we're trying to do. You're setting a values or you're setting rates based on what you think is going to happen. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're very different. And why is that so important? Right. Why is expectation versus reality important, specifically when we talk about the stock market, um, you know, in the Federal Reserve and the economy in general? So remember, we've talked about this in the past a good bit. The stock market does not react to news. Generally, that's not always the case, but generally the stock market does not react to news. Why? Why does the stock market not react to news? Because do you think that that is really news to them? No. Right? We've all heard, heard of insider trading, which is illegal, which means that you are making trades, you're making decisions to buy and sell stock based on insider information that you do already have. The public doesn't have this information. Not allowed to do that. Is there something in between insider trading and reacting when you know MSNBC reports that? Sure. There's always expectations. There's always consensuses of what the market thinks is going to happen. And really, the only time that we see major market movers is when there is something completely out of the ordinary that happens or if expectations come in different than what reality actually shows. So a great example of when we would have a huge market correction would be something like we saw in the past couple of weeks or months as a bank failure. No one was expecting that to happen. No one was expecting Silicon Valley Bank to collapse. When it did, obviously the stock market tumbled because people don't like surprises, neither does the stock market. And so if you follow the stock market, if you invest, a lot of times what you will see is very, very steep, you know, kind of overreactions and then corrections on the following day. And so if you look at it, generally anytime that you have bad news come out one day, there's going to be a monstrous decrease in the market. And then the next day, it'll come up a little bit. Why? I don't know. There's a, probably a name to this. But what usually happens is kind of people go a little bit overboard. Oh, my God, the sky is falling. Right. And I think I even talked about this in that episode. What's to happen next? Right. Is this the start of 30 other banks falling, you know, in the next week? And what happened was actually much better than expected and probably best case scenario. We did have a couple smaller banks that did fail as well, but seems to be that all the depositors are going to get their money back. And pretty quickly, the stock market kind of breathed a sigh of relief and said, you know what, this is not going to be that bad. And we've seen the market kind of rally ever since then. A better example would be specifically talking about tomorrow or as you're listening to this yesterday. Like I said before, if the Federal Reserve increases their target funds rate by 25 basis points on it or 0.25%, there's probably not going to be very much move in the stock market. And if there is a major move, it's not going to be specifically because of that, because the market is almost unanimously already pricing in a 25% or 0.25% increase. The market already expects the chairman to come out tomorrow, announce that this is going to happen, which probably is not going to move the market at all. Now, there could be some slight increase or some slight decrease. 
there's never certainty. It's never 100% that anything is going to happen. And so it really depends on where those you know, remainders are. When I say remainders, what I'm talking about here is this. So right now, the numbers are about 90% of the market expects this 25% or 0.25% increase tomorrow. 10% does not. If 10% of that is all unanimously that they think it's going to be a 0.5% increase, then we would probably see the market jump up when this news came out. Because that means that, hey, 90% were right and 10% thought it was going to be worse than it really is and the market might jump up. Now, if the 10% is in the camp that they don't think that there will be any rate increase on it, then we could see the market fall down. Most people got it right, but a little bit different. Now, anyone that has traded knows that that is a gross oversimplification, right? Because there are so many other factors. There's so many other things that could drop in a given day on it that will probably have a larger effect than what we're seeing here. And so trying to draw any sort of correlation between some of this is very, very hard to do. However, I will guarantee you this. If we are listening to this after this happened and I got this wrong and everyone else got this wrong, and they do increase the rates by 0.5% instead of 0.25%, I will guarantee that the market will slide and probably come down pretty hard because this would be a monstrous surprise for the market. So now we understand the principle of what the market is expecting versus what is actually going to happen. I have to talk about one thing and why this kind of verbiage on what the Federal Reserve is going to do the rest of the year with interest rates and why it is so important. So Almost on a daily basis, I guess on a weekly basis, but they report this usually on a monthly or quarterly basis. They are always polling investors. They're polling, um, you know, advisors. They are polling economists. They're polling policymakers to say, hey, what do you guys think is going to happen? Now, obviously, if they're, you know, polling institutional investors, their expectations are already dictating the price of the market. Right. So this is what they think is going to happen and how they've been running their business and their investments accordingly. Now, on the other side of things, we have the economists. The economists now obviously probably invest in the stock market, but shouldn't be as directly tied to what the stock market is doing. So they're more interested in the numbers, the trends and also hypotheses of, hey, this is what we actually think is going to happen. If anything, you might want to compare this to the investors in the market are saying here, here's what we hope is going to happen. I'm not going to say it's an uneducated uh, stance on this because obviously these are very educated people or should be educated people that are handling these investments, but they obviously have um, a bit of a bias there. You know, if you're in the market, there's no way that you are hoping for a downfall, even if there is going to be some positives out of it, which we'll talk about later. This is their livelihood, right? You know, a lot of them get paid off of commission. Investments go up, they make more money. Investments go down, they don't make money and maybe even lose their job. How many other side of things, economists don't really have a dog in this fight. Economists are looking at the numbers and they're trying to corroborate and look at this and say, all right, what do we actually think is going to happen here? Based on the numbers, based on the trends, based on the past performance of the market, as well as past, you know, kind of decisions by the Federal Reserve, what do we see is going to happen this year? And what has come out of this is two drastically different forecasts or expectations for 2023. Right now, the market is not factoring in any sort of recession. The market is very positive, is very optimistic. And the way that things are priced, you know, we call them futures, meaning, hey, what do we think the price is going to be in the future? Not only does it not look like investors are not expecting any sort of recession, they are expecting that there is going to be rate cuts starting this year and as early as September. 
So the majority of investors right now are factoring in a 0.75% rate cut to start in September. So like I said, market already expects 0.25% increase in May, and they think that there's going to be a pause for a couple months, and then starting in September, they're going to start cutting these rates. Like we've talked about in the past, cutting rates is generally going to be a good thing, sign that things are hopefully recovering a little bit, or some signs are getting better, and the Federal Reserve can kind of stop some of this tightening here. On the other hand of things, economists have a drastically different view of what they expect or what they foresee happening this year. The majority of investors think that it's going to be a cut in September of almost 1%. However, only 18% of economists expect any sort of rate cuts in 2023. Now, everyone expects that there's going to be rate cuts by the end of 2024. The market thinks that they're going to start this year and continue on into the next year. Economists think that it's going to be probably, you know, maybe six, maybe eight months down the road from when the market is kind of expecting this. Why this is so important is we are so far off on this that there is going to be some sort of correction one way or the other. There is a large contingent and the market is already kind of factoring this in. They put the blinders on. They got their head in the sand of, hey, it's going to be good. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. And if we just keep on saying that loud enough, we're not going to hear any bad news. However, economists are kind of singing a little bit of a different tone. They're looking at the charts. They're looking at the same charts you and I are and saying, man, I just don't see how we get out of this without some sort of correction and some sort of bad news here. And also what they're expecting here by saying, hey, we don't probably see any rate cuts this year is that they think that either a lot of these metrics aren't going to get in line so that the Federal Reserve will start cutting rates this year. Or they think that there's going to be other factors where it's not going to be smart or prudent to cut them this early or kind of take their foot off the gas this easily. Let's face it, your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. You need NapaTrax because it integrates with all the major players, including Napa ProLink, PartsTech, OE RepairLink, Epicor, TireConnect, Mitchell One Pro Demand, and more. NapaTrax has leading edge tools and technology that your shop needs right now. Unlike the other guys, we'll be there after your installation with the best training and support in the business. Your training includes a learning management system that is tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. For over 30 years, NapaTrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at NapaTrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S.com. So what we're talking about here is we're all in agreement on the 0.25% increase. But really the big thing is, what is the Fed going to do? How much are they going to tip their cap? How much are they going to kind of give us an insight into what their expectations or what they're expecting to do for the rest of the year? You know, and I guess if you're going in two extreme situations, the first would be coming in at exactly what the market is expecting. So if the Fed Reserve comes out and they say point blank, you know what, we think that everything's going to be probably getting a little bit better this summer. We're coming in on that soft landing that we're thinking about and we're expecting by September to start our first rate cut. And if everything goes correctly, that first cut is going to be 0.75 percent. 
like we talked about before, the market is already kind of factoring that in there. So if the news comes out, which is not going to be that literal, they're going to have to read between the lines on this. But if the news comes out in the general consensus, that that is still the best case and the most likely scenario, we will probably see no major effects and probably ultimately would be a good thing. Because if that's the case, then the market's going to stop looking in the short term and say, hey, we made it. We're on the other side of this. We're now on the upswing and could be a pretty darn good thing. I don't see that happening. My uneducated opinion on this is going to be I don't think that it's going to start cutting rates anytime that soon or that much on this. And obviously, most economists would agree with me on that aspect. And so the opposite end of the spectrum would be if the Federal Reserve came out and gave a much more kind of pessimistic view on this of, hey, we had to do a rate increase, you know, in May. Everyone expected that one. We probably still got at least one or two more before the end of the year. This goes from the market saying, we think that there's going to be a rate cut to now the Federal Reserve coming out and saying, hey, don't even think about a rate cut. It's actually we have more rate increases on the path uh, or in the near future here. If that comes out, again, not going to be that literal, we will see major, major corrections. Again, these are probably two drastically different things where what's going to come out is going to be much more kind of uh, broad or vague here and probably not as on those extreme situations. But that is kind of what we're looking for of where on that spectrum kind of expectation from the Federal Reserve that we're going to get to hopefully give us some direction to not only make decisions for our life, but also kind of see what the market and overall climate is going to look like here in the near future, or at least for the rest of the year. What is the Fed looking at to make these decisions, right? You know, it kind of sounds like the Illuminati or the secret society, which there's a lot of people that argue that they are. But obviously, the Federal Reserve has a massive impact, not only on our domestic economy, but the global economy because of where we stand kind of as our position with the dollar and just being such a large economy all around the world. So originally, the Federal Reserve started raising rates and was using the same metric to kind of judge how this was working. Biggest reason why the Fed starts raising rates is, hey, economy is too hot. Demand is super high, which means prices are high and keep on growing and keep on growing. And as we are recording this today, we are still growing and growing and growing every single month, every single week. Things are getting more expensive. And when they first started increasing rates here, they were still looking at these inflation numbers. And then six months after that, they were still looking at the inflation numbers. And a year after that, they were still looking at the inflation numbers. What they saw or what they didn't see was what they didn't like here. All of these increases that they've had have started to have some effect on inflation, but very, very, very small amounts compared to how drastically they increase these rates. I think if you were to go back and you were to poll, you know, anyone that was part of these initial decisions to start these rate increases, that there would probably be about a 99.9% consensus that they would never have had to increase the rates as much as they did. And if you would have told them how much they would increase the rates and how little that would have an effect on inflation, they'd probably call you an idiot because they never expected it to have this little of effect. And what they've realized here is that inflation is probably a trailing indicator in this market. And what I mean by that is, is inflation as directly tied to interest rates as we think it is, or is there an outside factor that's kind of going on here? 
And what the Federal Reserve has found out is, like what we've talked about in previous weeks, is that inflation and unemployment are so tied together that even this monstrous increase in interest rates is having absolutely no effect on inflation. The reason is, is because unemployment is still at historically low levels. And anytime unemployment is low, it means that demand for workers is higher, which means that you have to pay your employees more or you have to get into bidding wars to attract new talent. If you are paying your people more, you are going to be charging your customers more. Right. And this goes from the top to the bottom. If you have to pay someone more to be in a mine, to mine lithium for an electric battery, then that person is going to have to increase how much they're selling that lithium to the battery company. If the battery company is now having to pay more, they're going to now have to charge their customer more and their customer and their customer. Right. And so when you think about the compounding effects that we see, not only are these pricing increases transitory, but every single business in that vertical supply chain is also seeing sky high and historically high wages as well. So if unemployment still stays low, then it doesn't matter how much interest rates get increased. It's probably not going to have a massive effect on inflation. Now, eventually, it's going to have to all come crumbling down, right? We've talked about this in the past, that the way that the prices have gone up is still so much more than the average person is making, that the average American is broke and getting broker by the day. And at some point, it's going to fall out one way or another. So one of the big metrics that the Federal Reserve has shifted over and luckily for me actually released their data today so we can actually talk about it is a report called the Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey. If you are also kind of an econ geek and investing geek like I am, um, if you look, Wall Street Journal has a really cool economic calendar. What that economic calendar is, is they show different dates throughout the month and they forecast, you know, I think for the entire year on what dates specific reports and numbers are going to be announced. And also they have a little marker next to it to say, hey, is this announcement something that's going to be a major market mover or a minor market mover? This job openings and labor turnover survey is what we would call a major market mover because not only is it a report that a lot of people look at, it is the major driver that the Federal Reserve is looking. So what this is, is they take a survey, how they do this, I have no idea, how accurate it can be, who knows, but they do it anyways. And what this is, is they survey the overall economy and try and see how many or estimate how many jobs are unfilled. Expected job openings what they were expecting to come out was 9.75 million. So they expected that 9.75 million job applicants or uh, job posting ads would be posted out there saying, hey, we need to hire 9.7 million people. However, what came in was 9.6 million. This might seem like a positive thing. I guess it depends on what side of this you're looking at, positive from the long term or positive for the short term. Because today, market was way down. And way down, I guess, is a bit of a over-exaggeration here. It wasn't majorly down, but it definitely came down because it was lower than what they expected. So from one aspect of things, obviously lower job pools is not a good thing because that means that companies are scaling back. That means companies are laying people off. Companies are no longer looking to expand, but looking to stay the same or even shrink down. However, on the other side of the thing, in a longer term view, we know that this is probably a good thing. Is this going to be a sign that the Federal Reserve is going to look at to say, hey, I think we've done enough here. We need to pull off. Maybe, maybe not. Now, this is a positive sign because it really has three choices. It can go up, it can stay the same, and it can go down. 
If we're looking at the Federal Reserve stopping to increase rates, this is the best of those three situations. I'm going to include this chart in the notes because it might not make any sense when I try to explain this out loud. Again, just like a lot of these other charts, I could probably ask my seven-year-old, what direction do you think this is going? And she can probably tell this pretty easily. So just like inflation, we have to be very careful looking at inflation numbers for the short term versus where it is over a longer term average. What I mean by that is a lot of times, especially in recent memory here, we've had people kind of reporting on the inflation numbers comparing those to recent numbers within the last year, two or three, which can kind of give you a false sense of security or maybe a unrealistic view. Because, yeah, the inflation numbers do look good today compared to probably the last 24 months. But if you look at the inflation numbers today compared to the last 24 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, they look absolutely awful and still have a long way to go. This job openings report is probably exactly the same. For the first time in two, three, probably about three years, we've had two consecutive months where this number has come down. Um, We're under the 10 million mark, you know, for the second month in a row, which is a good thing. However, to put this into perspective of where things stand in 2013, this job openings was around 2.5 million. Uh, 2015 was at about five and 2008. 18, 2019, it was at 7.5 million. So yes, we are seeing decreases here over the last couple months, but still we are double 20, 30% higher than a normal average where we need to stand. If we want to get back to what we would say an ideal level, and if we're going to be and pick an arbitrary number, 2018 seemed like a pretty decent year looking back on it. Now, you might say, hey, 2018 sucked, but compared to 2020, 18 was probably a pretty darn good year. So if we're using 2018 as our barometer to, hey, maybe this is where we're shooting for, that came in at around 6 million or so in the job openings. We are almost 4 million above that. It's almost double where it needs to be. What do you think that the overall economy is going to look like if we go from 9.6 million of job openings down to 5 million? Again, there are some positive and negatives on this, but we have a long way to go here. And this is going to be the big thing. And this is the big argument of what the market is looking at here. Is is the Federal Reserve going to look at this chart and say, hey, we are on that downward slope. Let's just sit back and see what the market does. This might go into the soft landing that we're talking about. We don't need to push it anymore and really nosedive this thing. Let's let this just start sliding, sliding, sliding here. And like the market says, hey, maybe by September, it's already the good level. And we can start kind of cutting these rates and get back to the you know new normal that we are all kind of trying to shoot for here. However, on the other side of things... The Fed might kind of look through this and say, hey, last three months look pretty good, but historically we are still so astronomically high that we can't stop now, right? If we take our foot off the gas, we lose or we, you know, open the risk of possibly undoing all of what we've done here and everything still come crumbling down. We still need to continue on these rate increases for another month or two. Again, if you want to check out that chart and if you want to look at as many charts as you want, uh, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics is your go-to. And check out that link. I put it in the notes so you can take a look at it as well. So why is this happening, right? Why are we starting to see these jobs come down? Why are we starting to see unemployment increase? Obviously, first and foremost, these interest rates are directly tied to it, right? There is 
undeniably a relation between the two. Not as strong as what we've seen in the past, but there is obviously a relation. Another thing is we've seen a lot of pullback, especially in the tech industry, right? The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank was not good for them, but there was a lot of issues already before in the tech sector. There was a lot of businesses in the tech sector that boomed over the last three years, like astronomical booms. Take a look at Amazon. Amazon saw un, you know, record profits. Every single mom and pop store was shut. A lot of even local or regional stores were shut during COVID. Amazon was working overtime and their profits, their sales, their stock prices all dictated that. Peloton, kind of a prime example. Hey, everyone was stuck at home. They couldn't go to the gym. Peloton sales went through the roof. And then what happened? Everyone got them. No one wanted to buy another one. Some people even get rid of them. We went from a time where it was very hard to get to people were selling these on Facebook for half price. So we're starting to see some of these COVID boom businesses come back down to reality. You know, along with that is they have to start cutting employees. Hey, we just don't need this many people because we don't have that much sale or that much demand for our business. Another thing kind of going right back to unemployment and employees is low unemployment has skyrocketed salaries and skyrocketed asking prices for hiring new people. And so that has been affecting profits slowly, but it's really starting to catch up to businesses, especially as sales start to slide. We really have kind of a combination here of inflated cost, not only overhead and operating cost, but much higher wages and now decreasing sales. What's that going to do? It's going to obliterate the profit. And if it's your business, that's your problem. If you're a public business, that is your kind of stockholder's problem, the board's problem, and they're going to make you do something about it. So what we're seeing here is, hey, we had 10 people before. We paid them all $100,000. That cost us a million bucks. Now we might have five people all making $200,000, and that's the same million dollars. That's where we're starting to see some of these cuts. Um, maybe not on that large of a scale, but we're starting to see it and starting to see more and more of it every single month. There's a couple other risk factors that are going in here that the Fed has to talk about or keep in mind. And a lot of investors and a lot of banks have been yelling and screaming about the Fed to not forget this, right? Don't get so caught up in your charts. Remember that there is other things that are affecting you or are affected by your decisions. The biggest one and the loudest people on the sidelines that have been yelling at the Federal Reserve have been the banking sector and large commercial banks. The reason is, is because the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, First Republic Bank, all have been kind of directly tied to the interest rates increases. Think about it this way. If a bank is investing their money, they are hopefully investing it for more money than they have to pay out for their depositors. So if they're giving you 4% on that money market, they're investing in something that's making them 6% and still making a profit and still giving you the deposit returns that you're expecting. Now, like what happened in Silicon Valley Bank is their interest rates that they were investing were lower than what they were having to pay out. So every single month, it was a cash burn. They were expecting rates to start getting cut or not keep on increasing. And eventually push came to shove and they had to call uncle and say, hey, we're done. We've made a huge mistake. A lot of other banks have started to warn the Federal Reserve to say, hey, if you guys keep on increasing rates and don't give us any sort of sign that you're going to pull it back in the future, there's probably going to be more of these bank failures because there could be hypothetically this bank right now that is hanging on for dear life that knows, hey, we are done. We probably have a couple more months because the rates and the investments that we've made, we're not going to be able to cover this for very long. 
Now, right now, a lot of them are expecting rates to start to get cut by September. So that bank might be sitting here right now saying, you know what? We can't do this for a while, but we can hold out four more months on this. And they have some positivity to it. However, if the Federal Reserve comes out and says, hey, not only are we raising the rates, we expect to raise the rates in the future, and we have no expectation that we are going to start dropping rates anytime this year, those banks are probably going to call uncle. Hey, we were going to try to ride this out. We were going to try to make it to the Fed, you know, starts cutting these rates. There is no expectation that's going to happen. We are done. We need to be bailed out. Now, is this actually what's the case of what's going on? Or are these banks more concerned about the Federal Reserve cutting into their profits? Probably a little bit of both. Another thing is, and you know, kind of saying on the same side of this, is banks. Banks are getting tighter on lending. And this is another metric that the Federal Reserve is looking at, is one of the easiest ways to slow the economy, especially the corporate economy, is going to be by increasing rates. If you're increasing rates, businesses are less likely to go out and ask for loans because it's more expensive. And also some of these other factors have made it a little bit stricter. These banks are kind of getting a little bit tighter on them lending money. So the Fed is seeing positive signs. Banks are lending less and less money. Banks are keeping more and more cash on hand. Now, that's a good thing from the Federal Reserve, but shouldn't that be a wake up call for you? Banks are being very careful about how they're investing their money and they're sitting on a record amount of cash. Do you think that they know something that we don't? Do you think that the banks are expecting things to get better before they get worse? Or are they expecting things to get worse before they get better? You be decisions of this. I know personally, a lot of times you kind of look at a very complicated topic, follow the money, follow these educated investors, and you're probably going to be pretty close to the truth. If that bank is investing something, they probably did a lot of research on that. If they're not, they're trying to get out of that, they probably, again, did a lot of research and have a reason to do so. So when we see this, when we see these large amounts of money, when we see this much patterns in what these large investors are doing, we'd be prudent to take notice to that. Last one on here, and we have to mention this, is, and there's one thing Janet Yellen just came out and talked about, and again, a warning about what the Federal Reserve is deciding to do here, is there is a chance that as early as June, the U.S. could default on his debt. So we still have not been able to come to an agreement in Congress on raising the debt ceiling because raising the debt ceiling is also tied with the budget. And just like anything in politics, we have a lot of grown men and women bickering and nothing is getting done. So the reason why this is important, the reason why they're bringing this up is they're saying, hey, even if we do everything right, even if we do these rates right, even if we make all of the right moves, if the government can't get their stuff together and can't pass a you know debt ceiling increase on this, then there's a possibility that come June, we could start defaulting on some of our debt. I don't think that we are going to see some sort of major default where you know the dollar is delisted and no longer becomes the global currency or anything like that. But it will be a major hit to the stock market when it does happen, and it will already start taking an effect on the stock market if they're expecting it could happen this quick. People are going to start to get nervous and they're going to say, hey, right now there's probably a 90% chance that that doesn't happen. And they're able to come to some sort of agreement before that. But as we get closer and closer to the deadline with no sort of concessions being made on either side, the market's going to get nervous that something bad might happen, which is obviously going to start to pull the market down. And if there is an actual default, even on a small scale, uh, the ramifications of it could be pretty broad reaching. And why that is so important and what the market is trying to kind of tell the Fed is 
Even if you do all the right things, the government could still screw this up and undo everything that you've done. You got to make sure that you go a little bit more conservative, knowing that you might be battling, you know, a, a double headed dragon here with interest rates and inflation on one side and, you know, old school government ineptitude on the other side of things. This is all a classic example of no one wants a market crash, but we all really need the end results of one. We want and we need lower interest rates. We need more qualified applicants at reasonable salary levels, and we need to get prices and inflation in check. However, interest rates will not come down until the economy starts to slow down, i.e. recession. Increasing unemployment is historically always accompanied by or during a recession, and inflation and prices will not come down until unemployment increases, which again, almost certainly means a recession. So, while we do not want a recession, everyone is afraid of recession, some of the positive outcomes of a recession is what everyone is shooting for. You and I have zero control about what is going to happen, but you have 100% control on what you can do in your own business and your own personal life. Make smart choices, think about the future, and stay on top of your finances. There is light at the end of the tunnel, but we aren't there yet, and it's probably still going to get worse before it gets better. So with that uplifting monologue, as always, please share this with friends. If you have anyone, shop owner, self-employed, even just someone that you think would find this interesting, I would love it if you would share it with them. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, or want to come on and be a guest, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. So I want to say thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. So stay safe out there. And thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.